0: Hello. Today I want to talk about suicide and I have a special guest, Dr. George Fleming, who is a clinical psychologist, a licensed clinical psychologist uh, here in the Detroit area. And I was so fascinated after the suicide death of Kate Spade and then a week or two later, Anthony Bourdain, the television uh, you know, uh, host who travels the world trying out foods and uh, culture. Uh, I was so fascinated and really, frankly, disturbed by their deaths. I asked Dr. Fleming, who is a member of the church where I serve as pastor, the Plymouth United Church of Christ, if he would be willing <clears throat> to come to church one Sunday uh, after the death of Anthony Bourdain and to share a little insight about suicide. What is suicide? Uh, What are the warning signs? Uh, If perhaps an individual is feeling suicidal, or maybe you have a family member who is um, appearing to be considering suicide, what are the steps uh, that you should do? What are the warning signs that you should be aware of? And um, how should you approach it? And so um, I asked Dr. Fleming if he'd be kind enough to uh, just share some of insight, his insight with this audience. He's already you know, spoken at my church, but I think uh, this deserves even a wider audience than uh, the church community. So, Dr. Fleming, thank you so much for being here.
1: Well, thank you, Reverend Hood, for inviting me, and I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: All right, and, and I appreciate you being here. So tell me this uh, for our audience Can you break it down for us? What is suicide and what are some of the warning signs? Um, From a religious state, um, suicide
1: is when a person is turned away from God. Since God is the strength of life in all creation, that they believe they want to take control of life from God and end their own life. God has not called them or told them, it is time for you to die. They are saying, now is my time to die. This usually comes from um, events that are emotional, internal emotional dissatisfaction with life or dissatisfaction with all things that should be meaningful in life. The person feels three basic feelings, helplessness, hopelessness, and last, worthlessness. For a period of time before they decide today's the day or the moment that I'm going to die. That moment is consistent with the belief that they cannot go another day in the same feeling. And this is, like I said, usually a progression of time that has occurred. It's not like today I feel worthless, hopeless, and um, just going to die And I felt that feeling at 9 o'clock and I'm killing myself at 10 o'clock. Now, that isn't necessarily, in my opinion, the way it goes. People labor over this and anguish over it, which is what gives off the signs that they're struggling. That I think you're interested in determining how a person looks or might look to um, a family member on the individual way that they're going to kill themselves there are two groups of, of these particular looks that I wanna address. The first look is the obvious, the time is kinda of, kind of close. And then there is a person getting together the three elements piece by piece in their daily lives by certain behaviors. And I'll do those first. Those are pe- people who consistently do harmful, activities that have high risk and they do them on a regular basis. Like there's a trend or um, something going on in some communities where people don't stop at stop signs. They go through red lights. They have sex with anybody and everybody unprotected or any kind of way. They do self injurious things like um, injure themselves a lot and frequently by being reckless they also a good sign is a person who's involved in substance abuse on a chronic level I don't mean someone who just starts drinking is committing or on on their way to suicide or has a, two or three drinks or whatever their limit is and stops no I mean a person who drinks every day consistently more and more or shoots dope every day and snorts dope every day, and consistently more and more, because tolerance in dope and substance abuse is your body's way of throwing the substance off and requiring more and more to get the same effect of high that the person is looking for. So when the people keep pushing that barrier to get that pleasure, because there isn't pleasure in life, they're approaching a point emotionally where they're going to feel helpless, hopeless and worthless. And if they do it long enough, they're going to get tired of having that feeling. And they see that there's no way to stop it or to control it other than to end it completely. They really don't want to die even though suicide is the act that that they commit. They want to end the, the pain. Mm-hmm. And they're to that point have no way. Okay, so now let's address what does this person look like? As I indicated, You're gonna have to be a, a person who has extraordinary ongoing sadness where the sadness is a sadness that they can't necessarily control. These people withdraw from family members. They don't show up at your prayer meeting, the clubs that they used to go to, or any event where they used to get pleasure in life. And they may even start habits like overeating, gorging themselves, uh, just going out, gaining an enormous amount of weight um, from trying to get pleasure through food, just as a person who is addicted to a substance like alcohol or another drug. They, as I indicated, engage in harmful activities of high risk, like, like I've already described. And these people may also come and visit friends and loved ones and bring them something that they've said, I've always liked that. That jacket you had, that fur coat, that ring, I've always liked it. Now, for some reason, this person <laughs> drops in on that person, for some reason to the person that's being, receiving it, and gives
0: it to him and tells them, oh, I want you to have this. You know, I had a similar experience. It wasn't a person who was suicidal, but uh, a good friend, um, who I've known since I was 21, uh, was diagnosed with cancer. She was dying. I didn't realize that she had cancer. And uh, my wife and I visited her home in New Orleans, and uh, I commented on how much I like this pound cake she made. And I asked her to, you know, I'm starting to make pound cakes, I asked her, I said, you know, can you tell me what the ingredients are? What's the, you know, the recipe for this? And she started to tell me, then she smiled, and she said, would you like the recipe? And I said, sure. And so she went to her recipe book and took out the page. And that's very unusual. Cook, good cooks and bakers never do that. And she put it right down in front of me and she said, Nick, you can have it. And, you know, every time I make that cake now, I think about her. She's dead. She just died uh, shortly after she gave me the recipe. Now, it wasn't a suicide, but I felt so dumb that I missed the signal that this woman was really saying goodbye to me. It, like I said this is
1: death behavior these people who who have suicide ideations and feelings of suicide are doing death behavior because they know they're going to they're going to kill themselves they haven't decided when they're going to kill themselves but they know and like she knew but from the cancer coming the way as severe as it was she may not make this anymore right. and she may be so weak in the future that she couldn't go, go to you but get you to come to her to get it to give it to you. So this was the perfect opportunity to say goodbye to you with this,
0: because she wasn't going to need it anymore. And Dr. She Fleming, was going? Doctor Fleming. Every time I make the cake, I think about her. Well, that's a that's, good thing. Isn't that terrible? She, <laughs> that's a good thing because her spirit, her good spirit, lives on. Right. So tell us uh, more about suicide. Uh, if if you are a relative or friend of somebody who's exhibiting some of these signs, uh, what should you do? Well,
1: the first thing to do is you really got to get yourself ready to be serious about what you want, and that is you want them to live. What am I mean? You're going to have to say to them and approach them with the honesty and sincerity and open love of saying, I think you want to die. I think you're thinking about suicide. At that point, you need to be prepared for whatever happens or comes back as a response. People have two things going on when they communicate. They have content needs and they have process needs. The content is what they want to say. The process is how they want to say it. They could say to you, I feel like, shh. Now, at that point, you've got to honor the content and process needs because that's where they're coming from. Not to tell them, oh, you shouldn't swear like that. Your mother didn't raise you to say that. And then you're going to lose them. So first commitment is to be prepared to deal with in a receptive way, whatever their content is and whatever process they choose to communicate it through. Cursing, not talking to you for a while, just sitting there and looking at you based on what you said to them. Not, oh, if you don't wanna talk about it, okay. I'll, I'll see you later. No, you you don't leave them. Because now you've opened up the likelihood that they're going to tell you what's really going on with them. They might even tell you about yourself and how they feel you have mistreated them. And you got to be prepared to take all of that and, to the greatest degree possible to you, agree with it. And I do mean over 50% to 60% of it you got to agree with, not 10%. Yeah, right. That day I did talk to you that kind of way, but I didn't mean none of that. It's not what you meant. It's what they heard
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and felt Mm
0: -hmm. based
1: on what you did. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two, once it comes out, I want to die. You now have to be prepared to stop them. And stop them can be physical, it can be the minor degree of following them for the rest of the time until it takes to get them into a psychiatric center where they can be protected and confined, speaking with people who can help them bring out all of this emotion that they may not fully be able to talk to you about. They may not be able to talk to you about how they've been raped repeatedly by their father. They may not be able to talk to you repeatedly about how the boy next door threatened to kill you and you're the mother if I didn't perform this physical act on him. They may not be able to tell you that right then in the moment, but that is how and why they're feeling the way they want to feel. Now, those are two extreme examples people might say. Oh, listen to him. What is he talking about? No, that's why most of our children are killing themselves. Because somebody's victimizing them. And and a lot of times, they'd say, I'm going to kill your mama if you tell me. I mean, if you, if you tell on me. Now, what kind of weight is that to put on a child? That their parent would die if they don't perform an act or give up their lunch money, or whatever is going on. Mm -hmm. So, those two things are the most important. One, be prepared to hear and let what they say be the truth of the moment, whatever it is, whether you believe it or not. Number two, go to the fullest extent of physical confinement on their person to get them to
0: a place that's being safe. Now, by physical confinement, does that also mean that you may jeopardize the pleasant feelings in your relationship with this person? If you confine them, they may become angry with you.
1: Oh, yeah, they will. They will. When uh, um, As a therapist, if a person says this to me and I do what I'm supposed to do, oh, they hate me. They say, I'm never coming back and talking to you. And this is in the immediate. This is in the now, but years and months later, I've gotten, thank you, you saved my life. Mm-hmm. But in the immediate, I'm the worst thing that God ever
0: made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, Dr. Fleming, yeah, I really appreciate your thoughts on this. Uh, give me some more thoughts about suicide. So we've talked about uh you know, the responsibility and the role of the person who comes across a friend, a family member, or a stranger who appears to be suicidal, maybe even uh, a professional colleague. Um, What other thoughts uh, do you have about suicide? It's, in the African American
1: community, it's changing. We are changing, the numbers that came out on the um, Center for Disease Control study that was released uh, last month show, as they have since 1946, suicide among African Americans is increasing significantly in our men. It's up 250 percent. Men are killing themselves close to like white men, our men, black men are killing themselves or people of color are killing themselves, men like the general population, and the general population, like the general population used to. The general population has had an uptick as well on its killing of itself across the board. African-American and women of color have remained stable as the lowest socioeconomic or demographic in suicide. Our children, for the first time, in recorded history of suicide between 5 and 7 excuse me 5 and 11 years old have increased by 200% or greater to surpass the general population's numbers on suicide in that particular age group and these are these are kids who have killed themselves they are victimized in the manner that I indicated earlier and bullied, the, mostly boys. The young girls are killing themselves because of actual sexual assaults in the common manner in which men and women, grown men and women, assault children in that age group. They are killing themselves so, and I may have drifted um, a little away from um, what you asked me, um, Reverend Hood, but my greatest concern is the more we become like the general population, we're assuming a lot of their pathology as our own and turning away from the number one sanctuary and life we had for our sense of well being, and that is our churches.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Fleming, uh, tell me this. <clears throat> In the uh, wake of the deaths of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, what are some of the learnings uh, from their suicide, or are there any learnings? Are they just happen to be more pro- high-profile people who have taken their life?
1: Well, what we what we know statistically is that when suicide of a high-profile person is published, more suicides of regular people increase in the short ten to fourteen days after that. It's seemingly If Anthony Bourdain could do it, I can do it, so to speak, um, happens. Mm -hmm. 45,000 people killed themselves last year in America. That's about 123 or more a day, 124 a day. So that's quite a few every hour. Those two were no no more special than anybody else. Mm -hmm. The issue was, A, they both happened within the same short period of time and the CDC's um, study came out the same week. So there was buzz in the um, media regarding the Centers for Disease Control, 20 year study of suicide in America. And then these two people killed themselves and then there was an uptick for the next 14 days. Mm -hmm. They struggle. fame doesn't change, doesn't make you, (laughs) doesn't make you, money doesn't make you better Mm -hmm. inside. Fame doesn't make you better inside. These people all can feel helpless, hopeless, and worthless, and see us as liars for the the act that they do or whatever. They minimize it. <clears throat> I'm, it's not important that, that I know good food or I write good books. That's just something I do for money. What's important, I don't in these people's lives. I believe was those three things were operating and they wanted them to end Mm -hmm. and they chose the time to end it. A person who's committing suicide does not need anybody's permission. They're on their own. So if someone you know dies and you say, well, why didn't I see it? Well, I I didn't know that was going on. It's because they hid it from you and didn't want you to know. They could Mm -hmm. have easily told you, but they, for whatever reason, struggled with it and decided that's not what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. They wanted to die. Mm -hmm.
0: Dr. Fleming, uh, I may want to wrap this up at this point. I really appreciate you sharing a few thoughts about suicide, what it is, what it looks like, and some of the appropriate responses that uh, family and friends, coworkers, colleagues, uh, should be aware of and uh, some resources available to them. I, I Again, I really appreciate you sharing a few thoughts with me, and I hope in the future uh, you'd come back and allow me to just pick your brain on some other aspects of mental and emotional health. Sure. Would you be willing to do that?
1: I'd be willing to do that.
0: All right. Well, thank you again so much. Thank uh, you. Any closing thoughts that you want to say about no. suicide?
1: Not really, but other than... As I indicated, if a person, you know, dies, um, they didn't want you to know what they were going through. And that's their choice. Um, And a lot of times people do things because they don't think you can handle it. Uh, They, that they were going to die and they had committed to that act. So trust their judgment. Not that they should die, but trust their judgment that they didn't want you to know. They loved you that much. They didn't want you to experience
0: the pain, knowing that they were going to do this before they did it. Mm -hmm. Dr. George Fleming, clinical psychologist here in the Detroit area, Michigan. Thank you so much. Thank you.